shocking claims of Jesus. Do you think of them that way? Or do you just say, yeah, he did those things. Not shocking at all. He claimed to be God. He, he, he rose from the dead. He said, the first shall be last. What is that all about? He said, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. He rose again. We're going to be talking about all of those things as we go through the book of Mark. Now, in 1985, when I was a junior in high school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, she had a double mastectomy. She went through chemotherapy. The, the, the treatments went on and on and on for almost a year, and they were confident that the cancer was gone. And then about a year later, she started having some pain in her chest, and the doctor said, it's arthritis. They were treating for her for that. And then they thought, maybe we should investigate a little bit more. And when they investigated a little bit more, uh, cancer was all throughout her chest. They, they tried holding it off with radiation. She endured radiation. I, her, her, her chest was, was burned. And then finally in February of 1987, uh, she lost that battle to cancer. Uh, I, was a, I was a freshman in college when, when my mom died. Now, you don't think we prayed for her to be healed over and over and over again. The entire community of Albin and everybody we knew was praying that my mom would be healed and God didn't do it. Why? Why did God not heal my mom? Why, why didn't he extend her life? She didn't get to see me graduate from college or from seminary. She didn't get to hold and love my children and my children's children. And as a freshman in college, that was hard. That was really hard. It took me several years to finally actually deal with it. I suppressed it and suppressed it and suppressed it until I could no longer. And finally dealt with that in a healthy way with counseling and prayer and some other, uh, other things. But something that, that never happened to me, I was never angry that God didn't heal my mom. I don't know why. I never felt betrayed by my, my, by my God. I was at peace. In fact, my entire family was at peace over this whole situation. It was hard to watch my mom go through this. My, I remember her last Christmas. My brother, who lived in Matitsi, came home for the, for the week, and, and he, he, he had no idea how sick mom was. We knew as we sat around the Christmas table that was going to be her last Christmas. That's hard. Why, why did God not heal? Oh, I wanted him to. We prayed faithfully for my mother to be healed, and she was not. And there were people in our community, I remember conversations with people who were amazed at just the resolve and the sense of peace that we had in, in losing a, a pillar, seriously, of the community. My mom was a gifted pianist, organist. She played piano for everything. She substitute taught at the school. She led girls clubs. She, she was in, you know, um, the women's circle, they called it. Uh, I, I mean, if there was a woman of faith who was faithful, it, it was my mother. The doors of the, the church were open. She was there, maybe because my dad was there, but mom was there. And, and people said, how do you have this? How are you dealing with this in the way that you are, with this sense of peace? And, and, and all I can say is it's because we trusted God. 
period, we trusted God. Now, I wonder this morning, of, of all the people represented here and online, what is hurting in your life right now? What, what pain, are, physical pain, are you experiencing or diagnosis are you experiencing? Maybe you lost someone recently to a sickness or, or just uh, age. Or, or maybe you're experiencing emotional pain or psychological pain, spiritual or relational. Jesus claimed to, heal, to be able to heal it all. And we know by the, from the resurrection that he has, and many other illustrations in the Bible, proof that he is powerful enough that he can heal it all. And, and what difference could it make in your life if he healed those things that came to your mind just now? What difference would that make in your life? What kind of eternal difference would it make if he healed you? right now of whatever it is that came to your mind or, or gave you whatever it is that you've been asking him for. Now, this morning, we begin this series, which is going to take a look at some of these amazing, incredible claims that Jesus made. And, and as we're going to see in today's passage, he did just that. He had the power to heal. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 2. And as you turn there, I want you to think about this. Jesus, God, broke into our world and completely obliterates the natural and normal and status quo. It doesn't exist anymore since Jesus has walked the earth. Because of the power of Jesus to heal and do so many other things, we can't think, uh, you can't think of any human system or tradition or authority as inevitable or absolute anymore. Not with the power of Jesus. Jesus has come. He's alive today. Anything can happen now. Anything. And may we respond actively to all that we see Jesus do in the book of Mark as we go through this study. This, I think, is why God didn't do what we prayed for in healing my mom. This is why I don't think I got angry or bitter towards him for what I wanted him to do. Several of those reasons are found in this passage today. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Is that not the weirdest thing that you've ever heard in your life? So Jesus is in the middle of this house. It's packed. Standing room only, I can imagine. People maybe give him a little space. He's teaching. You can't even get to the door. And all of a sudden, crumbs, stuff starts falling from the ceiling on top of Jesus or in front of him. I mean, have you ever been speaking somewhere and maybe it's a, a baby crying or Somebody's talking to the person next to them really loud or, or somebody's phone goes off and it like breaks your train of thought and you try to get back and, and here is Jesus 
in the middle of this house, and all of a sudden this man is lowered down in front of him. Right? Weird. That is weird to me. What, was, what were his friends thinking? And then Jesus says this, son, your sins are forgiven. You said, what? Wait, that's, I'm guessing that was the furthest thing from this paralytic's mind when his friends said, hey, Jesus is going to be at this house. We're going to go get you in there. We're going to get you before Jesus so that he can heal you. Because we've seen him do this before. And I bet this, this man is thinking, wait, wait, wait. I, that's not why I'm here. This is not what I'm asking for. Can you not see? I can't walk. I, I, I mean, if it had been somebody in today's day and age, he might have said, um, thanks, but that's not why I'm here. Can't you see that I have a much bigger problem than whatever it is that you just talked about? You see, that's where he misses the point. Because Jesus knows something that this man and his friends do not. That, that is that he has a much bigger problem than his physical condition. See, I don't care how big the pain is in your life and in my life. I don't care what kind of struggles we go through. If we have not had our sins taken care of, that physical stuff, emotional stuff, relational stuff is not our biggest problem. And we need to view it that way. Because we forget. We think, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I do the right things. I worship correctly. I revere God in the right way. Lots of things like that. And, and we think that, that these physical things are, are our biggest problem. There's, there's something that, that we all need to be aware of. See, Jesus understands your problems. He cares about your problems. He knows the pain that you're in. He knows the heartache that you have. He knows the brokenness that's in your life. But our biggest problem, the paralytic's biggest problem, is sin. And praise be to Jesus that he heals us from the inside before he heals us from the outside. Jesus heals us inside before he heals us outside. The most important healing that any one of us could ever receive. His grace is enough. We sang it, but do we believe it? Do we live this way? That, that our relationship with Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that we receive from him is by far the biggest event ever to occur in our life, and that event isn't a one-time thing. That is a daily thing. Amen. He heals us inside before he heals us outside. Now, so many times we say to ourselves, if I only had this one thing, if, if I could only, if only all my bills could be paid, then I'd be happy. If only I could be successful at my job, then I would be content. Then I would be happy. If I only could walk again or see again or, or, or not have pain in my body, then I would be set for life. That's what this paralytic is thinking. And Jesus says, son, you are mistaken. That is not your biggest problem. You see the euphoria that you receive after 
I healed you and made you walk would not make you content the rest of your life. But the grace and the forgiveness that I give you today, that will, even in the midst of that thing, if nothing else happened that day, Jesus saying, son, your sins are forgiven, that would have been the most dramatic thing to ever happen in that man's life. The forgiveness of his sin by the sovereign creator of the universe. You see, the roots of discontent run deep into our soul. And and we can't fill those with things of this world. Read Ecclesiastes again. It won't work. Cynthia Heimel, who used to write for The Village Voice, wrote an article about actors and actresses, and she said she had known a number of them who were struggling to make it in the business. I mean, they were, they were working as waitresses, and they were punching tickets at theaters just to pay the bills so that one day they could finally make it in the business and become famous and become a celebrity. She said that uh, when when they were struggling like the rest of us, that that they would say, if only I could make it in the business, if only I had this or that, I'd be happy. She said they were just like us, stressed, driven, easily upset, but when they finally got the fame that they wished for so badly, Heimel said they became insufferable, unstable, angry, and manic. Not just arrogant, as you would think, worse than that. They were now unhappier than they used to be. And then she says this, I pity celebrities. No, I do. Celebrities were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. More than any of us, they wanted fame. They worked, they pushed. The morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness had happened and nothing changed. Nothing Changed. They were still them. The disillusionment turned them to howling and insufferable. She was sorry for them that they became famous. Why? Because they thought the thing that could give them satisfaction in life would, and it didn't. First and foremost, any healing, any any prayer request that you have before the Almighty God, you need to recognize that if you're asking for that to make you happy, it's not going to work. Only when we are growing and surrendering and living in and within a relationship with Jesus Christ is that peace and joy going to be there. Because as soon as we start striving for something else, thinking that we're going to get that thing, that's when the discontentment begins to set in. That's when the exhaustion begins to wear on your your body and you begin to question and wonder if God even cares for you, which is a lie. Yes, yes, he does. And and this made me, as I, as I worked through this, it reminded me of a conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. 
Now, this is John chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. Do you remember this? When a Samaritan woman came to drink water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Jesus was the, he was great at starting conversations with people. Even, even with people where it should have been awkward, like a Samaritan woman, he's a Jew having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. Weird, right? Jesus does lots of weird things. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and even she recognizes the whole oddness of this conversation. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob, she says, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Physical. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. And where does her mind go? But to the physical. She says, right? But... Uh, The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She thinks her biggest need in this moment is drinking water. And Jesus saying, no, I see deeper. Your greatest need is you need living water. And if we went on in that passage, it talks about her sinful past and how she's living. And Jesus The Messiah is telling her, oh, if you would just receive the water that I want to give you, your biggest problem would be healed. Do you see it? Jesus is offering her the most important thing. More more important than granting her any kind of desire or wish that she might have. This living water, this is, eter- this is salvation in Christ. Forgiveness for her sin, the kind of water that will truly satisfy for all of eternity, not just in this moment in time. We gotta think big picture. Because in this world, we are little picture people. We are immediate today. This is my need. I want it fulfilled right now. Ooh, I want that thing. Here, let me just order it on Amazon. It'll be here in a couple days, right? We fall into that. This is big picture that Jesus is talking about. Regular H2O will only quench your thirst for a time. My question to you here today is, do you have this living water? And if you do, does that just make you want to fall on your knees and, and worship and praise our holy, sovereign, all-powerful King Jesus? Because if it doesn't, we're not quite understanding it yet. What have you done with the living water that Jesus offers? What have you done with true healing? Have you received it? And, and the question that I, I think also is, how desperate are you? How desperate are you 
to have whatever it is that you're asking for or praying for healed in your life because we got to be desperate for Jesus. We, we sing a song, I'm desperate for you, but, but, but does that really, com- but, but does my heart really, do I really feel that or is it just words from a page? How desperate are you for Jesus? How desperate are you for healing? Because no matter what it is, spiritual first and foremost, just like Jesus did with the paralytic. But Jesus didn't go on preaching and leave the paralytic laying on the mat, did he? No, he healed him physically. Now, part of the reason for that was because the Pharisees and the religious leaders are like, whoa, wait a minute. Only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? Because we know he's not God, right? That's what they're thinking. So Jesus is like, all right, I know what you guys are thinking, because he literally does. He says, which is easier, to tell this man to get up and walk or to say your sins are forgiven? Well, of course, it would be easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no way to test that. There's no way to see if his sins were actually forgiven or not. That is an easy thing. So Jesus says, get up and walk. Take your mat and get out of here. Quit interrupting. No, he didn't say that. Take your mat and get out of here. And that's what the paralytic did. Can you imagine now what is going on in the mind of the paralytic? I hope what's going on on in the mind of the paralytic is Jesus forgave my sin first. That was my biggest problem. And oh, what a wonderful gift and, and, and the mercy and grace of God for me to be able to walk again. You see, we need a sense of desperation. We can't just go on living our life every day, just going through the grind and, and not being desperate for Jesus, not being desperate for this, this life-giving message that we have in our, if it's really life-giving and it's really the greatest thing that ever happened to you, wouldn't you think you would want to tell someone about it? We, we're all selling something every day. The, the next and greatest cold medicine, the next and, and, and greatest ache medicine. You know, if you know a friend and they say, oh man, I really got this ache, and you found something that worked, man, you become an evangelist for that medicine, right? Look, we have the most amazing gift, the greatest news, the greatest news in, in the, if you haven't watched it, I apologize and you're going to, but in the first session of this Bible study, Francis Chan says, this is not good news. This good news of the gospel is not the good news that we talk about every day. You know, good news that we talk about every day is that somebody had a new baby and the baby and mom are doing great. That's good news. We might even say that's great news. You know, um, I don't know, you can think of a lot of things. We had a great harvest. The corn was amazing. There's more silage than we, we can't even fit it all in the silo this year. That's great news. Is that on the same level as the good news of the gospel? No way. No way. I don't know how to convince you 
that this is the greatest thing, that, 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 that being healed of our sin, it, no matter how he answers any other prayer that we pray, that one thing is the greatest. We need to be desperate. We also need to persevere. We need to, we need to persevere. We're, we, we give up too easily. I mean, right, if we go to an event, if, if we had a friend and we were trying to take him to see somebody and the, the house is all packed or whatever, we might just say, oh, well, sorry, Joe. Maybe next week. Maybe it won't be a full house. We'll take you next week. We'll do this another time. No, his friends persevered. They did whatever it took, and that was pretty drastic measures. I mean, can you imagine us packed house, can't get in the door, somebody climbs up on the roof with a chainsaw, hacks a hole in the roof, and drops somebody in. That's desperate, and that's perseverance. We need to persevere in our prayer for that family member that doesn't know Jesus yet, and we just, we just, we've been tempted to give up. We need to continue to pray for, for healing. I, you know, I have a niece who, who is still going through ongoing treatment for stage four cancer. She's back to normal life. God's done some amazing things, but she's not healed yet. She still has, it's controlled. But we haven't stopped praying for her because she's still, she's still in that situation. We need to be persistent. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We need to pray. Many of us give up on the first attempt. We assume, well, I guess he's not going to heal me today. And we move on to the next thing. No, let's be persistent. We need to persevere in our pursuit of Jesus, no matter what answer he gives us. And the third essential ingredient to healing is faith. We need faith. Think of the instances recorded in the Gospels where people were healed by Jesus. Okay, what did he often say to the one he was healing? He repeated it over and over. The woman bleeding. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. The, the man with leprosy. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. The blind men were told of Jesus healing blindness multiple times. Two blind men followed Jesus as he passed by. They followed him into the house. Jesus asked, do you believe that I am able to do this? They answered, yes, Lord. To me, that is a faith ascent. They said, we believe you are who you've said you are, and we believe you can heal us. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. And they were healed. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And the Pharisees surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and knew that he was the Messiah for the rest of their life because he did this miraculous thing. No! How? How do you not see supernatural spiritual things? It's, it's the skeptic in them. It's the skeptic in us. Well, I'm not going to ask for healing because what if God doesn't heal me? I, I saw, I saw a, 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 a meme the other day from a friend that said, uh, some of my friends say that if, why pray if God is sovereign? And I say, why pray if he's not? He is sovereign. 
And, and he says we don't have because we don't ask. We need to ask. We need to pray faithfully in faith that he's going to do something. And if he does something different, we need to say thank you for answering. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for saving me from my sin. And go on. See, we have examples when Jesus healed because of the faith of the people. We also have examples of, of when Jesus doesn't heal because of a lack of faith. That's in Matthew 13, 54 through 58. Basically, he's in his hometown. The people knew him growing up, and they're like, oh, no, what? what? He, it's Jesus. He can't be God. And, and then what does it say? And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So God heals us when we have faith. He doesn't heal us when we, when we lack faith. So does that mean that if we pray and he doesn't heal us, then we automatically jump to the conclusion that we don't have faith? No. That too is a lie from hell. You see, God's going to do what God's going to do. And we need to trust him for that. We need to rely on him for that. We need to pray for healing, yes, but we also have examples of when Jesus didn't do what the people wanted, even though they had faith that Jesus could. Lazarus, for instance. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because Lazarus was sick. They knew he could heal Lazarus. Crickets. Jesus didn't get the text message. No, he got the message. He didn't go. He knew Lazarus was sick. He didn't answer their prayer. Now, we see that he ended up doing something even more miraculous by raising Lazarus from the dead. But there were many, many people that Jesus walked by every day and he didn't heal them. Uh, the, the disciples walked by somebody who would often uh, have his friends take him down into the water before the angel would stir the water so that he might be healed. Jesus walked through that pool many, many times. That man was laying there many, many times. Jesus never healed him. Why? I don't know. It could be because he didn't ask. It could be because in God's sovereign plan, he wasn't to be healed. And that's hard for us to understand because we think if God is a good God, why wouldn't he just do everything that we ask? Have you ever seen the movie, oh, Bruce Almighty? I think that's the one. He gets all these email requests. And, and, and he's like, wow, all these people. He, he gets like he's, he's God, okay? He's he's. He has the power to grant people anything that they ask. And he's got all of these, like thousands and, and, and millions of emails of all of these requests that these people have. And he's like, uh, forget it. And he checks them all and he puts yes and, and then sends them all. And everybody gets exactly what they ask for. And the world becomes chaos. We need to trust that God knows what's best for us and that we don't. And that can even include healing of a physical ailment. I, I, trust me, I, you say, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, is it really? I've lost my father. I lost my mother. I've lost friends. Accidents, diseases. I've held dead babies in my hand. Trust me. I've experienced pain. But in that pain, I trust that, that God is sovereign. 
and he's never going to make a mistake ever. And, 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 and I, I know there are people in this room who have lost children and who have experienced incredible, dramatic, difficult, tragic things. And I am not trying to minimize those things. What I'm trying to say is those things can't discourage us. They hurt, they're painful, but where we need to turn is to our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I've come up with lots of reasons why God didn't heal my mother. Um, she, she, she bought me everything. She bought all my clothes. Well, okay, my wife still does that. Because you wouldn't want me to wear up here what I would buy for myself. Um, she made my bed every day, except when I was in college. But I was the only college student who had matching comforter, pillow, and curtains in my dorm room. I mean, as much as I was embarrassed by my mom when I was in high school, you know, kids, how that goes. She was the greatest. <laughs> I don't believe God didn't heal my mom physically because we didn't have enough faith. We had enough faith. It, it's, it's a mystery. It, it's just a mystery. He, he didn't heal her because he valued others more than he, he valued her life. That's not why. Her being physically healed didn't fit into God's sovereign plan, whether I liked that or not. But my mom was in fact healed because today she is in heaven. So her biggest problem was healed. She had surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. Her sins were forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and him conquering sin and death and, and rising from the dead. She was saved, and that is the greatest, that is the greatest healing that any of us, any of us could ever receive, and, and may we never forget that. And may we believe that. May we surrender. If, if, you're, if you're listening today and you're sitting in here and like, well, I'm not... I'm really not sure I would be in heaven. Man, can Jesus knock on the door of your heart any louder than he is this morning? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Surrender your life. Believe in him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will be, begin to permeate, permeate your life. And though it won't make those difficult things easy, it will add hope and peace in the midst of those things. See, it's a good thing when God doesn't answer every, every request we have in the way that we want him to because we don't really know what's best for us. Let's trust him. Yeah, I miss, I miss my mom. But I trust the sovereignty of God and how he answers my prayers no matter what that answer is. And may you all as well, let's keep inviting Jesus to heal us, whatever it is that you need healed from. First of all, your sin. 
And then whatever it is you desire, let's persevere in our relationship with him and pray and let's all trust him. Have faith in him. There is no better place to put your faith than in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray and the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing this final song because this, to me, I, I actually wanted to end with the last song before I got up here, but I didn't have a clear word that that's what I should do. Oh God, please draw our hearts to you. May, may this series help us to understand how great and mighty and powerful you are. God, our righteous, ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign, creator of the universe, Lord of all, king of all, no one is greater, no one, no power, no entity, no angel. Help us. Help us to understand that the biggest problem anyone has is the sin in their life and help us to surrender that to you. You conquer, you paid the price for that. Help us to submit that to you. Help us to keep that in perspective as we then begin to cry out to you for other things in our life like healing a mom or a dad or a friend or or providing in a miraculous way because we have a financial need or a relationship that is just a shambles. God, you can do, you can do the impossible. Help us to trust you. Help us to, to cry out to you to heal those things. And then help us to listen and surrender to the answers that you give. Ah, we, we worship you with this final song in Jesus' name. Amen.